بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم لا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلی العظیم الحمد لله رب العالمین صلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا ابي القاسم المصطفى محمد الله الطاهرين لا سيما بقيه الله في الارضين اجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف فجعلنا من اعوانه وانصاره اللهم اخرجني من ظلمات الله واكرمني من نور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا ابواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن علومك برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين The second subject that inshallah we cover in this series is akhlaq so what we are going to do inshallah is to study briefly some of the major values in islamic moral system we are not going to be discussing every value and we are not going to be going into lots of detailed discussions but at least to familiarize ourselves more and as a reminder inshallah we will talk about those values which relate to ourselves as a person what qualities we should have those values which relate to our relation with god this is different from the first although they are all connected for example the fact that you have to be contemplative this is about yourself even if someone doesn't believe in god should be equal to this quality or to be for example balanced this is a quality even if you are living on your own and you don't have any person to meet and you don't believe in god still you have to be balanced but for example trust in god or repentance or gratitude these are the things that are about your relation with God and other people. So, we will talk about those qualities that relate to me or you as individuals. Those qualities that relate to our relation with God. Those qualities that relate to our relation with other people. And finally, those qualities that relate to our relation with non-human beings, like environment. How should we treat animals? How should we treat plants? How should we treat water and soil and air? These are important parts of Islamic moral system. So all these four relations, inshallah, will be discussed briefly. But before I start with these four, we need to discuss a little bit about 
the science of akhlaq what is the definition of akhlaq what is the aim of akhlaq what is the subject matter of akhlaq what methodology we are going to follow in this series of lectures so tonight inshallah if we can finish this introduction then we can start with the first quality in the second session inshallah <coughs> i'm sure you have all heard the term akhlaq akhlaq is plural form for khulq in arabic we have two terms which are very similar because they come from the same root and they are written similarly but the pronunciation is different khalq and khulq they are written the same way and come from the same root of khalq in the sense of creation there is a dua that when you see yourself in mirror you would ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala oh allah as you have made my khalq look good make my khulq also be good so khalq and khulq refer to two aspects of our existence khalq is what can be seen and khulq is what cannot be seen is inner reality of us khulq for example if a person has a problem in his body for example a kind of disability or for example if someone is tall or short if someone is fat or thin anything that relates to our body it's easy to understand it by looking at this person but if someone is honest or dishonest or if someone is generous or miserly if someone is for example sincere or not sincere this is not like khalq it's khulq you know some ulama have said very beautifully that khalq can be understood by basar basar means vision but khulq needs basira not basar insights you know there are people that even if they live 10 years with someone they cannot understand his moral characteristics and there are people that just by speaking few minutes with someone they can understand of course you have to be careful not judging people quickly but the experience shows that many many times the impression that such people get in the first meeting is correct because they have that insight that they can see so we have khalq and khulq akhlaq 
is the plural for خلق. So, if we say, how is akhlaq of so and so? Means, what are the moral characteristics of so and so? Every person has a set of moral characteristics, moral qualities. That is his akhlaq. Okay? So, akhlaq can be used to refer to the moral characteristics of a person. But also, akhlaq can be used to refer to moral characteristics of a religion. For example, we say akhlaq islami, Islamic morals. To refer to what Islam expects from a Muslim in every aspect of his moral character or her moral character. We have also in the Quran another term which is like akhlaq but the same meaning but the, there is another it's another derivative of the term khulq and that is khuluq innaka la'ala khuluqin azim khuluq also comes from khulq it's like akhlaq you have great traits of character Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Innama bu'ithtu li'utammima makarim al-akhlaq I have been sent by God to accomplish noble traits of character makarim al-akhlaq noble traits of character so akhlaq is the same thing that we were discussing and rasulullah says my main task is not to introduce no more than that to accomplish noble traits of character other prophets and messengers have already started this process and the prophet came to complete the task and there is a beautiful distinction to make between mahasinul akhlaq and makarimul akhlaq based on islamic hadith we understand that there are two levels this is like two levels of moral traits of character both of them are moral, but two levels. One is mahasinul akhlaq. Good traits of character. For example, if someone has been kind to you, what should you do? You have to also be kind. If someone has visited you when you were ill, what should you do? You have also to visit him when he's ill. When you were in need of money, he lends you money, so you have also to lend him money. This is level of mahasinul akhlaq, which is based on reciprocation. But a higher level that Rasulullah says he has come to accomplish that is makarimul akhlaq. 
And that is to give to those who didn't give you when you were in need. means denied. Give to those who denied you help when you were in need. Mahroom means they deprived you, they denied you help. When you were alone or you were ill, they didn't come and visit you, they didn't observe kinship. You should now go and visit them, help them. Sell man qata'ak. They did qat'ur rahim. You should do salatur rahim. Connect to the kinship. So, Rasulullah says he has come to teach people and to set up in his own behavior an example for them to do makarim al-akhlaq. And you know, alhamdulillah, we have this beautiful dua of makarim al-akhlaq of Imam Zainul Abidin alayhi salam, which is a treasure without any exaggeration. And I sometimes feel that if we had only Imam Zainul Abidin alayhi salam and his du'as, it was enough for us to raise our head and say, we have such ocean of moral and spiritual teachings. Just only du'as of Imam Zainul Abidin. Even not all his du'as, even some of them are enough to show that we are very, alhamdulillah, Rich, of course, the main thing is that we should equip ourselves with it's not just you know to read. Dua of Makarim al Akhlaq is one of those masterpieces of morality. And the title is Makarim al Akhlaq, not Mahasin al Akhlaq. Although it refers to some of the things that relate to reciprocation, but it's also referring to the higher level. So, I hope you have understood now what is akhlaq. Then we have ilmul akhlaq, science of akhlaq. Because it's such an important subject that Rasulullah says it is my main mission to accomplish noble traits of character. So, right from the beginning, Muslims paid attention to this subject and became a field of study. They developed ilmul akhlaq. I'm sure you have heard this hadith many times that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once so some Muslims had gathered around a person and asked him, used to ask him many questions. They had great interest in this person. Rasulullah asked, what is this person's speciality? They said he is 
the one who knows genealogy of Arabs. For example, he can tell you your father, grandfather, and sisters. Rasulullah said, Knowledge is one of the three. And anything other than this is fatherless. It's a merit. It's good to know. But the real knowledge that every person has to know is one of the three. So if you know these three, then you can choose to know other things or specialize in them or study about them. But these three, everyone has to know. Ayatun muhkamah. Ayatun muhkamah has been interpreted as aqa'id. You have to know your aqa'id. The second thing, sunnatun qa'imah, which is interpreted as knowing akhlaq. And then, faridatun adilah, which is sharia. You have to understand in fiqh. So historically, Muslims developed three branches of sciences as the main ones. Of course, there are many sciences that they develop in order to understand these three. For example, sarf, nahv, balagha, tajweed, kitaba, you know, how to write, how to form words, how to put them into sentence. These are all developed as preparatory, as tools. But the main ones which were developed for understanding Islam were aqa'id, akhlaq, and fiqh. So, ilmul akhlaq, the science of akhlaq, is the science which undertakes studying akhlaq, which is moral traits of character. But you have to remember that although we study moral traits of character, we also study moral actions. There is a very important discussion. In the Western ethics, of course, I'm not talking about Christians or Jews. I'm talking mostly about secular ethics. In secular ethics, most of the attention used to be in the 20th century towards the actions, not that much towards the qualities or characteristics of the soul. Because they don't believe in soul that much. Everything was action, behavior. Even in psychology, the very famous school was based on studying behavior. Yeah? They look at human beings just as surface of human being. And that is actions. Because you can see actions. You cannot see generosity. You can see generous actions. You cannot see bravery of someone. You can see brave actions. Therefore, they focused more on actions. It was in the late 20th century that 
a revival in Aristotelian ethics took place and a new approach emerged which is called virtue ethics and in virtue ethics the primary attention goes to the virtues but in deontological ethics which is like Kantian ethics or in utilitarianism the focus goes to the actions in Islamic ethics, we deal with both qualities and actions. Both of them are important for us. But which one is relatively more important? Quality or action? Quality is more important. Because action is something that happens once and quality is something that is part of your reality maybe someone is generous but there is no poor person or needy person to show generosity to him or maybe he is generous but he has no money yeah, sometimes there are generous people who have no money left. So he doesn't do anything out of generosity, but still he's a virtuous person because he has the quality of generosity. Maybe a person is brave, but there is no need to show bravery. And maybe a person is fearful and then just by chance or by forcing himself, he does one brave action. Qualities are much more important than actions in most of the cases. Yes, there can be exceptional cases in which an action can become very crucial. And we have to be very careful. Sometimes one action can change your history or history of a nation. And if you fail to act properly in that moment, no matter how virtuous you are, you lose a lot. I give you two examples. One for acting and one for not acting. This is one action, one strike. And Amir al-Mu'mineen before and after was the same brave person. So this didn't add to his bravery. But making decision to act in that crucial moment properly change the course of history. Islam could be defeated if he had not made that particular action. Therefore, that action is considered as something which is better than all the worship of jinns and human beings. On the other hand, when Rasulullah 
صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم passed away and Lady Fatima al-Zahra sallamullah alayha used to go to the house of each of the people who had heard from Rasulullah the hadith of Qadir and similar ones knock their door and remind them of what Rasulullah had told them and the promise that they had made and they didn't act history says you know a common point was you came late we have already given bayah so that action it's one action change the history so sometimes one action can promote you or a nation or a community a proper decision or can save you from big danger and sometimes one action can destroy you or a nation or a community or at least make you lose a lot so never underestimate any action we have beautiful hadith which says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has hidden his pleasure, his reza, pleasure. You don't know which action is going to bring the pleasure of Allah to you. Don't dismiss any opportunity. Maybe now that for example, this person who is ill and really need of someone to give him visit or hope and make him happy. Maybe if I go and visit this person in hospital or home, is making Allah please me. Or maybe helping, you know. So you don't know. Sometimes, you know, giving one pound can be bringing pleasure of Allah. Sometimes giving one million can bring pleasure. You don't know which one is. So you should not dismiss any opportunity. Maybe this action... Even if you have done thousands of good actions before, but maybe the next one is going to finish for you this blessing and complete for you so that Allah is pleased with you. On the other hand, Allah also has hidden his sakhat, his anger. Never underestimate any sin. Maybe Allah in the past has taken your sins easily. But maybe the next sin is what he is not going to tolerate. Don't say, you know, Allah you know, has been very patient with me. Yes, maybe there is a limit for his patience. So we should not take any action easily. But relatively speaking, qualities of the soul are more important. Because they can bring tens of good actions or tens of bad actions. If someone is jealous, then this jealousy can every moment produces bad actions. And if someone is kind or selfless, then this can produce thousands of good actions. So the focus should be on developing good 
qualities. There is something very special that our scholars say, for example, Imam Khomeini in Chil Hadith, 40 Hadith, you know, Arba'in. He says, it's very important. He says, the reward and punishment that people receive in hell or heaven based on their aqa'id are more than what they received from their qualities. And what they receive from qualities is more than what they receive from their actions. For example, a reward that you would receive, inshallah, in heaven from a generous action is not comparable to receiving the reward for generosity. Yeah? And then the reward that you see, for example, for Iman is highest. So, actions are very important. Especially those actions that, inshallah, we will talk about them, that are very fundamental. But qualities, relatively, in most of the time, can be more endurable and can have eternal impact on us. So, the science of akhlaq in Islam studies both actions and qualities. With respect to actions, teaches us what are good actions to do and what are bad actions to avoid. With respect to qualities, teaches us what are good qualities, what are virtues, what are fawail. Fawail is the plural for fadila, virtues. What are the virtuous qualities to achieve? And what are the vicious qualities? Rava'il, the plural for radila, that we have to remove. We have to remove. So the aim then becomes clear. What is the aim of studying science of akhlaq? Is to know what are the good actions to do, what are the bad actions to stop or avoid, and what are good qualities to gain, and what are bad qualities to remove. Inshallah, in this series, as I said, we will try to talk about the, some of the major values, which automatically also would clarify corresponding actions. So, for example, when we talk about trustworthiness, or we talk about patience, or gratefulness, automatically you should also translate them into actions. You realize that we are talking about also all the actions that originate from trustworthiness. You know, we have this uh, beautiful ayah in the Quran which says, Tell everyone acts according to his character. Yeah? The actions come 
naturally out of your character. I would like to end this session with a very important point that I may not get chance in future. How much time do we have? 20 minutes. 20 minutes? No, sorry. 14 minutes. With question and answer? Yes. 40 to 10. We have to finish everything. Okay. This is a very important point. Around Arba'in, we had a session. Uh, I mentioned this, and the audio file is available. How to how to delve into one's character. You know, most of people are not completely bad or completely good. There is a combination. You know, you hardly find people who are 100% pious and virtuous or 100% wishes. Most of people are mixture. When it comes to actions, a mixture of actions, they have done some righteous deeds and some bad things. When it comes to qualities, also the same. They are not 100% good. On the day of judgment, all these qualities become obvious. Yawma tubla sarair. Sarira is the hidden qualities, the inner qualities. They will become obvious on the day of judgment. On the day of judgment, by looking at people, you can realize whether he is je jealous or not, whether he is brave or not, whether he is selfish or not. You don't need even to look at their record or file. Just looking at them is enough to realize what type of people they are. In dunya, this is hidden. Yes, if we have insight and carefully examine ourselves, we can find out. Even if people bring excuses, they can examine themselves and find out. But this needs careful examination. Most of the time, even we cannot understand what type of people we are, let alone understanding other people. There are so many things inside us that needs deep examination. You know, you have to have the biggest of a spiritual a scanning and x-raying and all these things so that you can go to the deeper layers of human soul. And sometimes, you know, there is a bad quality in us that for years is not clear. And then all of a sudden, when something triggers that, it comes out. I sometimes use this example. 
You may have seen sometimes, you know, if there is a pool or fountain, which is big, so the water cannot be removed and washed, and again, you know, clean water is put back. It's like a jungle, so there is a fountain or oasis, and water remains there. If there is no wind, there is no movement, you see, water is very clean and transparent. Not knowing that if you go a little bit deeper, there is clay. There is lots of, maybe even dirt and rubbish beneath. Even sometimes can be dangerous. People go for swimming and then they can get stuck. But the surface is clean. Many people are like this. In good days, you see good akhlaq. When he has had his breakfast and coffee and no traffic and you know his uh, salary is coming in time, you know, no pressure, no you know, fight with his wife or husband. He's a very nice person. But if he is challenged, then you see the same person become like a wolf, like an animal. Why? Has he changed? No, he has not changed. These were qualities which were hidden. Something had to trigger them. This is why, you know, when you want to know someone, you have to be with them when they are challenged. For example, travel with them. Not to holidays. Go with them to hatch. <laughs> and see what they do in Mena and Mash'ar and Tawaf. <laughs> or when, you know, there is heat. When they are stuck in traffic for hours. When the food is delayed. When the roommates annoy them. They feel cold. They switch off. For example, the heater, or when they feel hot, they switch on the AC. Then you can see what type of people they are. So, those deeper layers of people's character can remain hidden in most of the time and only in the time of calamities and challenges and difficulties they can emerge. Therefore, with ourselves and with other people, we have to be very careful. Don't quickly believe in people and don't quickly judge about people. It's very complicated, very sophisticated. Even sometimes you don't know your own child, you don't know your own brother, you don't know your own nephew. 
let alone a person that you meet just, for example, in the mosque. You cannot judge, you know, by just few actions or few, you know, meetings. So, I hope, inshallah, with a study of akhlaq, not only we add to our knowledge, which is important by itself, but also we learn how to dig into ourselves. Go to the bottom of yourself and see if there are impurities. Try to fix them before these impurities become obstacles, become barriers between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, Iblis suffered from this problem. 6,000 years he worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even we don't know 6,000 years of dunya or 6,000 years of akhirah. Amir al-Mumin said, La yudra amin sinil dunya amin sinil akhirah. It was 6,000 years of akhirah, each day is 1,000 years of dunya. Okay? So he worshipped Allah 6,000 years. Very nice. Because the surface, he was not challenged. Yeah? Praying, fasting was not a challenge for Shaitan. But there was something hidden. And that was arrogance. Abba was takbara wakana min al you shouldn't think that shaitan didn't have any problem. All of a sudden, he developed a problem. He refused to do sajda. All of a sudden. No. The problem was there. And even 6,000 years of worship could not solve that problem. When something triggered that, and most of the time, even we are triggered like this. And that is when we have to be humble before another person. Not even before God. Before God is easier. Before another person for the sake of God. That's very difficult. Problems emerged. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us inshallah to develop ourselves into pious, virtuous servants of Him so that nothing that He dislikes remains in ourselves and remains in our action. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا عَنَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِ